Thanks for joining us once again in Transforming the World Through Reflections. Today, we are going to have a great conversation because with me today is a dear friend, Julio Hansen, who brings so much richness, deliciousness to this table. He's an educator and an artist. And so we're going to just talk about how his skills are essential to this healing process that needs to happen at the local and global level. So I think we should just jump in. Hey. How you doing? I'm good, but can I just say that word deliciousness? I'm going to use that in something else. Okay. Maybe I'll put that in my bio. Okay. A resume. Yes. Deliciousness. Because it's the truth. Thank you. I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, I like it. <laughs> how, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm good, Melissa. Just, I'm so happy to be here right now to be with you. And we have so much to talk about. We do. We do. And this amount of time wouldn't even touch the surface, but we're going to go as far as we can. Yes. Right. Yes. And you never know. We may have uh, future times to, to keep going deeply into this. Hey, we'll go as far as the television rating will take us. So how about right that? on. I like right. that. We'll do that. I like that. <laughs> so, okay. So here we are in this so-called post-pandemic, not quite post-pandemic. We go forward. We go backward. We, you know, yeah. I, what are your thoughts on this? Uh, I just, my thought is you have to live every day like it's your last and you have to love every day like you've never loved before. Mm. I just have been living like that since COVID. Um, I, I just, it's funny because I was thinking about all the different things that I've been doing during the time of COVID and it's been a lot. Yes. And I kind of think, dang, Julio, you need to slow down. But then again, all those things brought me life mm -hmm. when so much was going around, going on during COVID, yes. so much other stuff was happening. Yes. So many my friends I'd lost and I started thinking, you know what? I need to live right now because if I don't live right now, then what's the point? You know, we all have to, we have to live. Exactly. And so that's exactly. what I take away from COVID. So many people have had some hard times and I'm really, my heart goes out to those people. But, you know, if I had one word to, to to tell people right now is that just live, live, live. Mm -hmm. live. And yeah. as I'm listening to you, I'm, I'm thinking about something that resonates with me uh, quite often. When, when we were early in this pandemic experience, you know, the, the confusion, the constant adjustment and, and all the grieving that was going on, uh, you know, led to, to a lot of reflection. This is how this podcast started. It was not even meant to be a podcast and, you know, it, it just emerged as a way of reflecting on, on what was happening, what can be done, why it needs to be done, how long it's been needing to be, you know, in progress. And so to your point about how important it is to remember to live, yeah. I, I've been really focused on how everything that's been happening is inviting us to amplify our gifts. Mm -hmm. It's urgent. Yeah. It's urgent. Mm -hmm. If there was ever a time to be really present to that, it's now. You know, that reminds me when you say it's urgent, it's, it reminds me of a lady, Miss Anna, who used to uh, volunteer at my elementary school to help the children. And she used to tell me all the time, I was a teacher mm -hmm. at the time, and she would say, 
Mr. Hansen, uh, I was Mr. Hansen at that time. She said, Mr. Hansen, um, it's a catastrophe. It's a catastrophe that these kids cannot read. Mm. And I said, thank you, Miss Anna. Uh, Mr. Hansen, next day. It's a catastrophe that they can't add. It's a catastrophe. I'm like, thank you, Miss Anna. Mr. Hansen, third day. I mean, just every day. It's, mm-hmm. a, it's a catastrophe. Mm-hmm. And she's 81 years old, beautiful um, white lady who you could tell had was a bombshell when she was, you know, our age. <laughs> and um, In her youth. In her youth. You know, because she, we are... We're in our youth. Well, yeah. hey, I don't, I don't know about you, but I'm 23 <laughs> in my head times two um, times whatever. Yeah. Uh, but no, but she would always tell me that. And I never understood that until now. Mm. I would tell her, that's why I'm here. I'm a teacher. I'm here to help the students, you know, learn. But I didn't understand what she meant by it's a catastrophe. Mm. She meant that it's urgent that we do something now. And if we don't do something now... 10 years from now, and that was 1998. Wow. So we're looking 20 years ago now. Wow. Like, dang, it is a catastrophe. It is. It is. It is. She was right. It is. Bless her heart, she's gone. And, um, but I, I'll never forget that about her, Miss mm-hmm. Anna and James. Yeah. These are the moments that really uh, reconnect us with wisdom we've, we've heard you know, early in life, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's as if it takes on new meaning now, mm-hmm. you know, I, I hear you. I, I can relate. I can relate completely. You yeah. know, right now I'm hearing some of what my grandmother would say in her West Indian wisdom. Yeah. You know? Yeah. We don't want to listen back then. Mm-hmm. Well, we didn't want to listen, but listen, if you're looking at this right now, just listen. Exactly. You listen and 20 years from now you'll be like, ah, dang. Yeah. That I listened. She used to say, <laughs> it, when you don't hear, you feel. Well, are we feeling or what? Mm-hmm. We are feeling for real. Yes. For real. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, you know, but, you know, all this crisis is packed with gifts. It's just not a delightful package, but a lot of opportunity to learn. Yes. You know? And speaking of learning, I, I think this is a good opportunity to to go into your life as an educator, Dr. Julio Hansen. I feel so proud to say that. <laughs> uh, I'm proud of that, too. I just, it was just something that I wanted to do. My father, bless his heart, the greatest man that walked the face of the earth after Jesus Christ. Mm. <laughs> um, he was such a great man who tried to get his doctorate, but he had MS, multiple sclerosis. And he never complained. And that's the thing I remember about him is that he was just a, a beautiful man that never complained, mm-hmm. even when, when he was bedridden. Mm-hmm. And one year into his doctorate, he had to stop because it became, you know, multiple sclerosis is such a, such a hard, it's a hard one, right? It sure is. For some people, it's even harder yes. than others. Yes. Um, so I wanted to do that because, in part for him. So when I did it, I said, you know, I completed what he was not able to complete, right? The second reason I wanted to do it was because I wanted to grow and I wanted to learn. I wanted to, like you said, learn. I wanted to be better. And I had this yearning for being better, for being more than I am right now. Mm. So I went back to school and paid six digits to uh, get a doctoral degree. <laughs> <laughs> life in the U.S. Yeah, life in the U.S. Um, but, you know, it was the best experience of my life. Investment. Yeah, it was the best investment. Um, I'm trying to get my ROI, 
my return on investment on it. So I'm looking at that right now, mm-hmm. you know, because I don't want to be thinking about the loan. I want to <laughs> be thinking about how, you know, I paid it off, whatever. Yes. But it's the best investment when you go and do something that you feel your heart leads you to do. And that's what, I mean, it took me years to get there. Mm-hmm. But once I did it, I was like, wow, this was the best investment to my spiritual, to my emotional, to my mental, mm-hmm. to my physical, um, to my social well-being. Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. So. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, to connect it with your, your father's experience, mm-hmm. this completion, this particular one, what a beautiful way to honor our ancestors. Yeah. Yes. No? Yeah, he came from a, lo- a long line of teachers, number one. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mother's also, she also worked in the education system, uh, in the school system. Like my mom. Yeah, um, who we're going to talk about later, right? Oh, uh, yes. And um, <laughs> yeah, so they both, you know, were educators. Mm. And we honor our, our ancestors by doing just that, by not only learning, but passing on the torch and by teaching those that come after us exactly things that they won't they wouldn't know unless we tell them exactly exactly Mm -hmm. and 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 right now uh because long-standing social injustice is more visible not new just more visible Mm -hmm. this is the time when we really need to put our energy into letting you know current and future generations be aware yeah of their history in depth yeah uh, as opposed to, you know, what systemic oppression has prescribed. You know, you're only going to find this out and you're not even going to get it accurately because it's inconvenient. Mm-hmm. As an educator, you play a role in, in you know, dismantling all the, the lies that showed up in textbooks and that didn't show up. Right, right. You know? I think just by being, right now I'm a principal of... I guess we can say names and everything on this, right? Absolutely. Okay, yeah. Absolutely. So I am the principal. No. Uh, Loyola Village. A Loyola Village Fine and Performing Arts Magnet, which is located in Los Angeles and Westchester, uh, California. And as the principal, the mere fact that they see me as a principal, many of these children, of which 64% are African-American mm-hmm. and about 28% are Latino. And, and then we have other white and Asian also students. Uh, the mere fact of them seeing me and how I carry, carry myself correct, correct some of the systemic racist practices that they um, might have seen or they might see still, right? Yes, so yes. when they see someone like me, they can say, well, I remember my principal was like this and he held himself like this. So I don't always get it right, but I do strive to show them an example of what it means to be a human, what it means to love, what it means to live, and what it means to be um, a, a, a person of, of value, right? So, um, yeah, so that's so important what you yeah. said about, yeah. you know, teaching them that something that they probably wouldn't hear. You know? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Thank you for that. We don't, by we I mean uh, the adults of the world, don't always realize. You're an adult? I'm not an adult yet. No, I'm just kidding. I'm more than an adult. (laughs) (laughs) We we don't always realize how the slightest thing we do Hmm. can have an impact on a child. They're watching. You're so right. They're watching. Yeah. Yeah. So for you to describe the importance of being mindful of the way you carry yourself on campus, the way you you speak, 
I mean, all of that is information, mm-hmm. all of it. And so uh, it, al- it also offers alternatives mm-hmm. for children who may be living in an environment that's not necessarily a healthy environment. Mm-hmm. They get to see an alternative. Right. Because as a child, uh, unless you see an alternative, you may assume you know, in our very concrete way of uh, absorbing the world as a child, that everything is exactly the way uh, it is in my immediate environment. I'm thinking of my work with children in therapy mm-hmm. many years ago. I can't tell you how frequently it happened that we would have conversations about when they noticed a difference. Right, right. You know, that mm-hmm. their immediate environment was not, uh, the end all be all in the sense that there are other ways of moving in the world. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and that all starts from the moment that they see you, because if they see you and you greet them with a smile, anyone mm-hmm. for that matter, yeah, they feel whether you love them or not. Mm-hmm. And from the moment you open your mouth, that could, when you open your mouth, that confirms whatever you say can confirm or can nullify what your actions did exactly you know so i tell teachers all the time i say you know we have to get to know who our students are we have to get to know who people are i say take the time don't worry the first couple of days about trying to open crack open a book because if you don't know who they are you don't know what makes them tick Mm -hmm. and you're going to be going down a a long winding road relationship is first it's about relationships relationship is first Mm -hmm. you know and uh my mom, as a teacher, she always talked about this. And to this day, uh, former students who are now adults with their own children, they reach out to her mm-hmm. because they remember my mom worked so closely with parents, very closely with parents, because she, she really valued uh, the fact that <clears throat> when you're working with a child, you're working with the adults in that child's life. Yeah. So she really put a lot of energy into let's make this a partnership. Right. This is not about scolding and lecturing a parent. You know, they bring to the table what they know mm-hmm. until they know something new. Right. So it, for her, it was very much about a collaborative experience mm-hmm. with 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 parents, and I know that. It's had a, a powerful influence in the way I do my work, mm-hmm. you know, and just listening to you, um, there's resonance. There's resonance. Yeah. <laughs> it's resonating. Yes. It's resonating. Yes. So, <laughs> so given what's happening right now, and, and I don't mean only as it relates to um, uh, the health crisis, but but how the health crisis showed old stuff, you know, uh, inequities in access to resources, all these things that have been going on for generations. What else would you, would you say about how education can, you know, promote a shift, you know, in, in this equity discourse, the inclusion, all of this. Well, 
I think, first of all, we have to understand the power of education and how it can do just what we were talking about, how it can either build our students up or it can tear them down, right? right? It can either bring them in or right. it can kick them out. Yeah. It can either give them access or it can shut them out, right? So I think that education in itself has to change to the point where we see students first, we see feelings first, mm -hmm. <laughs> we see life first, mm -hmm. we see relationship first. You know, those things have to come first before we see numbers and, and uh, points yes. and scores. Yes. I mean, all that's important because that's the real world, right? Mm -hmm. I, I agree that's the real world. And I'm not against testing. You know, a lot of people are just against testing. I'm not against testing at all. I, I'm, I'm against it being used to describe the whole child. But I am for education being used to and tailored to the needs of our students in our classrooms, to the needs of our children in our homes, mm -hmm. to the needs of our children on the street. Mm -hmm. Because you don't have to have a high school degree or a college degree um, to be successful, right. but we have to give them access. Yes. Give them access. Yes. Because if you don't give them access and you shut them out, then it's like it's a double losing or, or it's an uphill battle. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that happened during the pandemic, especially the early uh, part of it, where people were like, well, OK, it's all virtual. Yes, parents are struggling to wear multiple hats, their professional hats. And then now they're being uh, uh, their their teachers assistant. And, oh, and parents during the, during COVID, Ooh. parents were like, "Whoa, this is what's been happening." Oh my god, this is what class and teaching is like, right? And <laughs> yeah. and and it was quite a struggle, and mm -hmm. it shed light on something really important. Not all children had access to technology at yeah. home. Yeah, so it really showed the inequities. You know, as we were talking about a moment ago, the inequities. So a lot of people complain, oh, this virtual thing is exhausting. And yes, it can be. Some people didn't even have it to be exhausted. Yeah. And it affected the educational system. Yeah, yeah. You know? Um, but it was a growth curve, though. It, sure it was a was. growth spurt, rather, mm -hmm. for people. I always thought that, too, because I used Zoom before Zoom was used yeah. for all this stuff. Yeah. And I always thought, wow, I wonder if we would ever, ever teach on Zoom. <laughs> and then it happened, right? Mm -hmm. So I was like, this is what... That's, that's one of the good things that happens that we realized how powerful we can um, use technology, how powerful technology is yes. for, uh, for reaching students in different ways. Yes. So. Yes. Mm -hmm. Speaking of which, there, there's, so, there's so much to unpack about the work you're doing educationally. Mm. You know, your writing, your uh, creative writing workshops not only with children, but with teachers. Mm -hmm. And, you know, what are your, your thoughts on how to uh, merge this need for technology or, or new ways of using technology with these uh, experiences you've had uh, mm -hmm. teaching creative writing? We're getting into the artist. Oh, okay. Yeah. Let, me, let me put my new hat on. Hold yeah, on a second. the, the educator go. who Here is also an artist. <laughs> yeah, I love it though. I I've finally found how to let my education spur my art and let my art encourage my education, um, and vice versa. Um, I feel that. I mean, there's nothing. There's nothing that takes the place 
of being in person with somebody. Absolutely. Okay. I, I will say that. I can vouch There's for that. There's nothing that takes the place of being in person. Yes. However, when you have something like a technolo technology platform where you can meet somebody in Brazil. Right. Or meet somebody in Mexico. Yes. Or in France. Yes. Uh, during the uh, during the year last year, I did. Uh, I worked with a group called um, Language Salad Kids. Um, Dodo is his name. Rodolfo from Brazil. He has a few kids in Brazil that he put online, and then I had a few kids in, from Mexico, and I had a few of my students, and they had a conversation. It was in English and Portuguese and Spanish. Beautiful. And it was it was a little difficult because some of my kids didn't speak any of those languages except for English. But they were exposed to other students in other countries. Again, exposure to alternative. Yeah. Right? They, they were exposed to these kids mm -hmm. that are trying to learn English and trying to communicate with them in English. And it was just the most amazing experience. And hopefully we get a chance to do it uh, again this coming year. And hopefully I can connect with some kids in Panama um, this coming year as well, because that's something in the, in the, um, in the works with uh, a friend of mine named Juan Francisco over in Panama, mm -hmm. um, where we can connect our students to other countries and other schools and other students in such an easier way. Yes. It used to be like, you know, you had to go to a certain college, a certain place to have your students dialogue with other students. Right. But now it's so easy. You can do it at home. You can do it at school, your office. Yeah. On the playground, yes, whatever. Yes. Just get your iPad and you're connected, right? Yes, yes, yes. So what um, a beautiful yeah. project. And and yeah. it, it again, it it brings to the table all these different possibilities. And because you speak multiple languages, you can support mm -hmm. your students in the process of, yeah. of learning something new by connecting with someone who is not in, in this country. Right, right. You know, and, and broaden their horizons, which is what this urgent work calls for. Mm -hmm. Broadening the horizons of our of our children, of our youth. Right. And I don't know why what spurred me on in the beginning to want to learn languages, but there was something. There was something I was exposed to. I think it was my parents giving me records or books or something in other languages and and not knowing the effect that it would have on me yeah. to read a read a book in French. Yes. At five years, six or seven years old, or get a dictionary that has like 20 different languages in it. Mm -hmm. And and those things affected me. Yeah. Because I was exposed to it, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. And, you know, in childhood, these things are, are, are so much more accessible, mm -hmm. right? And being a singer, you have that ear. So, so language development. Mm -hmm. Ooh. Yeah. You were set. I was I was set with something, you know. <laughs> I don't know what it was, but I was set. All right, <laughs> yeah. Oh, let's talk more about your writing. Okay. Uh, it's essential that we talk about your uh, your play, which I recently had the privilege to to experience. I know it was a it was a reading of it, mm -hmm. uh, and. I, I know that you explained that it's still, you know, a work in progress. Mm -hmm. Negra. <clears throat> Ooh. It was so moving. It was so moving. And I can say on a personal level, because 
I am a woman from Panama. Mm -hmm. I was born and raised there. Mm -hmm. And so you captured so many elements that I remember experiencing and or hearing about, you know, those parts of, of the story that happened, you know, uh, before I was born, but, you know, that, that I've learned about not only yeah. through through books, but definitely family stories. Right. And all, yeah. You know, it was brilliant. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate and, that. And I, I'm thankful that you're doing it because, to me, it represents yet another way of educating mm -hmm. uh, through the arts. Right, right. Something yeah. that both of us are passionate about. Yeah. The arts. Yes. And how how powerful the arts can be to address, you know, all of our human experiences, mm -hmm. all of them. So I'm, I'm curious to hear more about your, your, wow. your writing negra. process. Yes. They call me Negra. Uh, so yeah, um, yeah. anyway, so I'm privileged to be a member of the Roby Theater Company in mm -hmm. Los Angeles. And they gave, they didn't give, they, um, they award, they, what's the word? I received, I received a commission mm -hmm. um, from the Roby Theater Company to write uh, a play. And I said, I wanted to write this musical. Um, and this musical became bigger than life itself. I wanted to write something that meant something to me. And I wanted to write something that people could connect with. The Roby Theater Company is, they do a lot, most of their work, if not all of their work, is, is something that you can learn from. Mm -hmm. and it's historical. Yes. So... I wasn't sure if I wanted to make this a historical thing. I just wanted to make a musical. Mm -hmm. But as I started learning about some of the history uh, of Panama mm -hmm. and, and, and remembering some of the things my grandmother would say and my mother would say mm -hmm. or different people would tell me, mm -hmm. I said, this has to be part of what I write. I, you could hear it in <clears throat> yeah. the dialogue. Oh, Yeah, so it just became a larger-than-life thing. So I was in their playwright program. Uh, as part of the commission, I've been an act, a member with them for like 13 or 14 years mm -hmm. as an actor. And I've taken their advanced scene study program. I've taken their playwright program. I've been a sound designer for uh, a couple of plays there. Uh, I've been a, a music director for uh, one of the plays there as well. And then this was a chance to kind of come full circle yes. and do and write this musical. Yes. And um, thank you for saying it was brilliant because, you know, it's hard but when you write something you look back and you say, oh, it didn't, it wasn't as grand as in my head, <laughs> but I still see the promise of it. Mm -hmm. I still see the promise. And, I, and when I hear people like yourself that say it was brilliant, or I hear somebody say that it was amazing, or this is amazing work you're doing, it makes me, it keeps me going. Good. It's Good. not just an easy thing to sit down and write. You know, people think that the Lin-Manuel sit down and they just write. But I know Lin, he must have had moments, he had to have moments where he's like, is this really going to work? Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, well, I want to know what you're thinking. Um, <laughs> so, uh, no, but I just wonder what, you know, I have a friend of mine who wrote a play called Grace, the musical mm -hmm. in, in Washington, D.C., Noel Williams Jr. And he really uh, gave me an insight because his play opened about uh, four or five months ago, I think it was. Okay. And I had a chance to go see it mm. and be with him during the opening. And I saw it. Like firsthand, I was like, this is what it feels like to see your play come to life on stage and see people love it and see people enjoy it and see it on and see sing. I was like, okay, I can do this. 
And that's what carried it, it, me. It, 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 yeah. it gave you that. That carried me the last six months of this commission to really mm-hmm. push this out. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I have to tell you, and uh, I'm not sure if you remember me saying this, but during the reading, I sometimes watched you. Oh God! Listening. I think everybody's and, watching. And me. I could see you. I could see you singing. <laughs> yeah. And I thought. I thought to myself. I don't know if I can put into words what it must be like to uh, hear people speak the words you wrote. Yeah. Um. And 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 after all the work. Uh, the love that went into the process. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah, I had to let go at some point. I mean, you probably saw me singing, but you may have seen me going like this, mm-hmm. counting mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. you know, trying to go like this and be like, <laughs> trying to direct from the audience. But it, it, I thought it would be more weird at first, uh-huh. like hearing people say, he, say the words that I wrote. Yes. But when they started putting their own personality to it, you understand, okay, let me just let them let go. Uh-huh. It's not me anymore. It's, it's now it's the actor. Yeah. So yeah. it became less weird when I let go. Interesting. Yeah. Is there is there a metaphor here for life? Hey, message. <laughs> um, <laughs> it might be if you once you let go, then it just becomes a lot easier. Uh-huh. You know, going with the flow. Yeah. Oh, that flow, that creative zone. Right. It's Freedom. a learning process, though. Freedom, freedom. Yeah, yeah. It was freeing, all right. <laughs> well, you know, and and back to something that we, we, we got into earlier, this urgent need to amplify our gifts mm-hmm. hopefully connects us with our freedom mm-hmm. to be ourselves fully. Yeah. You know, be in the flow. Yeah. The world needs it. Yeah, I mean, they kept telling me, especially my dramaturg and my director, Daphne Secret, she kept telling me, hey, it's okay. You're doing, you've done good work. Um, let it go, let it go, let it go. And I'm uh-huh, like, no, uh-huh. but, but. And she's like, no. And um, so, yeah, it's free. It's freedom for sure. It's right? freedom. Mm-hmm. Well, here in this podcast, we frequently talk about um, art and activism. Mm. You're in it. Some people refer to it as art, artivism. Talk to me. Wow, that's a great segue into my doctoral thesis, which mm-hmm. was The Power of Artistic Activism. Tell it. It is published on ProQuest database. You can all go check it out. No. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I studied that as a doctoral uh, student, and I graduated with from Pepperdine University. Um, in 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 the doctoral in education and the power of artistic activism i had a chance to talk to so many different artists mm-hmm. that use their art just for that they use their art to change the world they use their art to reflect what's happening in society Ooh, and it's Nina so, Simone right there yeah it's just like um it's such a powerful thing how some people use dance one of the people that i interviewed I can't say people's names, but one of the people that I interviewed, (laughs) she did say that dance gave this person a space to see themselves. And so this one individual was suicidal, right? And so 
this individual saw themselves on stage, which saved their life. So when you think about that, you're like, wow. wow. You let somebody just see themselves on, on stage through mm -hmm. dance, through singing, through movement, through acting. Mm -hmm. You can save someone's life. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So it's just an amazing thing. It was Like I said, it was one of the best experiences of my life to to get my doctoral degree because I learned so much about how other people are doing it, being artivists. Yes. And how whatever I do now, mm -hmm. I want it to have some type of of power that bring people in. Mm -hmm. It's not going to always be historical or it's going to be educational, but it's going to be either fun where you make people laugh mm -hmm. um, in times of sorrow yeah. or you make people think in times of doubt or in times of confusion, you clarify things or whatever it is. I want whatever I do to have some purpose. All of that mm -hmm. was evident in Negra. Thank you. Thank you. All of it. Because there, there was laughter. Yeah. Even though the subject matter also included some painful narratives. Yes. Yeah. About identity. Right. Embracing one's identity. You know, and it was beautifully done. Yeah. It I was mean, beautifully done. I look forward to, you know, the next iteration of of this writing. Yeah, I have so many things that I'd like to do with it right now. I'm just um I'm letting it breathe a little bit. Um, I'm working with um, uh, some people in New York, four um, by uh, Latine, some Latine people in mm -hmm. New York mm -hmm. um, who are just uh, wonderful Latine people Beautiful. of all the whole spectrum of, of gender, of sexuality, of economic status, of artistry. There's just so many great people out, out there, out here in L.A. too. But you know. That right there is a statement. That, that speaks to diversity and inclusion as an asset. It's yes. an asset. Mm -hmm. It's an asset. And, you know, because um, more places of, of uh, employment um, are under the scrutiny of the world, yeah, they need to now go beyond just the token diversity. They need to really walk the inclusion walk. Yeah. You know, not just so. now because it's hot. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, exactly. I mean, a lot of people got, got jobs right now, but mm -hmm. I'm hoping that these people keep their jobs. Right. Cause, um, it's not cause it's hot. And when it's not, then you drop, uh -huh. you know, I don't want, I don't want that to no, happen. No, 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 no. Let it be, <laughs> let it be the, 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 the part of the, the thread, fabric the fabric. Yes. Well, we were on the same yes. page. Let it be, you know, an essential part of the fabric, the mm -hmm. values of the workplace. Right, right. You know, need yeah. need to be, you know, fueled by this the 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 understanding of how diversity and inclusion are an asset. Yeah, are an asset. Well, let me tell you right quick because mm -hmm. uh, on that point, my daughters and I got to put this plug in. Yes, please so do. So my one of my daughters, Marile, she works at Murad, mm -hmm. and she was part of a diversity and diversity, equity, and inclusion. Um, group. Yes. And she's, she come to me and tell me, yeah, we're we're trying this, we're trying that. I just feel so proud of her that she's, you know, she's 20, uh, she's 20 something. I guess it's your age. She's 27. <laughs> I'm 23. Um, but she's, she's doing things that I wasn't doing at that time. Right. You know, 
My yeah. other daughter, Natalia, she's also has her master's degree in human resources. And she also has a specialty in diversity, equity, and inclusion. And she's working for um, uh, uh, house, house makeup, which is Lady Gaga's mm-hmm. um, uh, comp- makeup company. But they're doing some things. These young people are doing some things that we weren't doing. Yes. I'm just so proud of them right yes. now. Yes. That they are independent women and independent men out there just doing your thing. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of young men, too, that, that are doing their thing. Yeah. I'm so proud of them. I am, too. And, you know, early in the pandemic, I know they were out there speaking up. Yes. They were out there speaking up during these protests. And, right. And, and they represent youth really well because... You know, young people are questioning. We need to promote an appreciation for questioning Mm -hmm. and for, you know, addressing issues um, respectfully. And, 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 you know, they represent well. I'm I'm so proud. Yeah. You know. Yes. They come by this naturally. Yes. Um, You know, and, and so this, this, this work is, is so nuanced. So your life as an educator, your Life as an activist, artivist, uh, you, you know, these are the things that I'm, I'm learning more and more are necessary for the healing process. I work with artists every day of my life, and it's been such a, a rich experience um, to learn from not only students, but also f- faculty, mm-hmm. um, more ways of of going deeply into these these topics that need attention in new ways mm-hmm. through the arts. Yes, yeah. Through the arts. Yeah. Uh, I, I have this bias that it's impossible to, to learn about pain and healing without the arts. Yeah, yeah. You know, I heard you uh, uh, say the words of Nina Simone, you know, the arts reflect what's happening yeah. in the world. It is. Uh, it's 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 the truth, um, you know, because the two of us are from Panama. I I I'd be remiss if I didn't bring this other piece up. Um, let me share with the audience that we met when we were at UCLA as undergrads. Right, right. We met because you were working at the office. Uh, uh, of international students and scholars. Uh And the dean of that office, Carol Saltzman at the time. Carol Saltzman, love her. Right? Yeah, and Alan Saltzman. She she encouraged you, being Panamanian, to reach out to all the Panamanian students on campus, whether that office... Uh (laughs) I know. (laughs) Whether that (laughs) office was uh, already connected with them or not. Right. That's how you and I met. Mm-hmm. Why? Because at the time, our country was in turmoil. Mm. Those were the Noriega days. Yeah. And the invasion. Why? Right. So, fast forward to uh, how our friendship developed um, as a result of, of that moment of, of connection. That office was so much about the power of the arts in bringing community together mm-hmm. in getting to learn more about each other and ourselves yeah. mm-hmm. healing ingredients. Right. So with that in mind and, 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 you know, looking back at your journey, 
to the present moment, and I'm I, I'm doing the same, uh, including all these amazing things you've been doing. Mm-hmm. Our country is in grave crisis right now, as right. we speak. As we speak. As we speak. <sighs> and it's, it's, and yeah. thankfully, um, because the current generation, just like here in the U.S., is is very um, connected to the in power tuned. of questioning, right. and they're in tune. Right. You know, old uh, problems um, stand a chance to be addressed in new ways. Mm-hmm. Some old ways too are going on. Uh, you know, watch international news, and you'll see. Right. Uh, but I I would love to hear your take on how the arts and education could support the healing needed in our country right now, given what's happening right now, which is a manifestation of problems that have been happening for for generations. I was going to say decades, generations and generations. Yeah. You know, so uh, right now I'm thinking of my grandma and how in her West Indian way she would say, we need to put a stoppage to this. That's right. what that's what seems to be going stoppage. on right now. Stoppage. That sounds so Caribbean. So Caribbean. Her, her <laughs> words come out of my mouth yeah. every day. Yeah. So so people are 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 engaging in a way <laughs> over there that 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 speaks to mm-hmm. put a stoppage to this. Yeah. So, literally. Literally. Uh, <laughs> literally. I mean. They're stopping traffic. Stopping and traffic. Stopping Bless food distribution. Heart. I mean, all because kinds of things. They're tired. People are tired. People are tired. Yeah. People are tired. And communities that have been marginalized uh, worldwide have been speaking loudly, perhaps inspiring mm-hmm. uh, activism at local levels everywhere in the world. It's right. happening. Right. So, you know, as an educator, as an artist who knows the power of those two things in healing what do you see possible in pama through education and the arts i i see it's funny um because i was just looking at some videos today mm-hmm. that really saddened me of what i saw mm. i didn't realize what was actually i mean i haven't been to panama in about six years mm-hmm. um and it's funny because my daughters were there last week and they sent me a video of the stoppage mm-hmm. on the street. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of it. A lot of it, right? So they came back here and they said the next day after that, it got worse. And so today I saw a video of what that worse looked like. And it looks like Armageddon. It looks like Armageddon. Um, cars being being turned over. Looting. Cars being looted. Um, explosions and fires and people's faces being hit and and, and 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 bloated because they've been punched or hit or whatever. Yes. Um, and I'm not the. I, I won't speak on the inner, inner part of it because I don't. I'm not the expert on it. What I have heard is that there's a lot that needs to be done that has to focus on the people that are in power. We have to focus on what is what are they doing yes. for the people of Panama. Yes. And that's. I mean that that's a worldwide problem. What are we doing for people that are really having a hard time right now? Exactly. People are really having a hard time in Panama. They're really having a hard, hard time around the world. And what are we doing? Mm-hmm. Are we providing a space for those people to be heard? Are we providing assurance that they are being taken care of? Or are we just thinking that it's okay? Right. You know? Right. Um, 
I just sound like James Baldwin right now. Right now, <laughs> and you and you and you I played, played him. You yeah. played him in, in, in this. You know, <laughs> I played James Baldwin in a heated discussion with this, Obi Theater the last that, month. The script that was all He's about. He's still with me. What would they say now? <laughs> what would they say? Well, yeah. I just need a cigarette in my mouth. <laughs> See what what I'm trying to say? No, um, no. Let me shake it right quick. Um, no, but on a serious note, on a serious note. Um, mm-hmm. We need to figure out how to take care of our people and hold our people. Yes. In Panama, they need to feel held because they're tired. Mm-hmm. They they see that money is flowing in Panama and they see it. Mm-hmm. They see it. Panama is a beautiful country with lots of different richness in many different ways. Mm-hmm. And when you see that in front of you, flaunted in front of you, and you can't even buy milk or bread or butter, or it's hard for you to buy those things. Right. Especially right now. You get tired. Yes. Gas. What is going on with gas right now? I mean, goodness gracious. It's yeah. taking it's it's it costs me one hundred dollars plus every time I fill my little car up. I don't even want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it either, but you gotta talk about it because it's the truth. I'm it's, have to fill up on the way back home. It's <laughs> so uh <laughs> back to LA yes. to the other country. But I can't Im- cannot imagine in Panama. How much is it costing over there to fill up a, a, I mean, it's probably costing the same, but for them over there, I'm sure it's like, this is my whole week's salary. Exactly. It's crazy. I was there two months ago and, and protests were going on about inflation and gas prices. Right. And so in the last couple of uh, months, you know, the heat, the heat increased. Mm -hmm. And so. That's that's where we are right now. Yeah, it's getting hot. Yeah, <laughs> prices are getting higher. Yeah, it's 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 <laughs> it's, it's like... the you know critical mass right now. Exactly. So you know, uh, may education continue to uh, support people in protesting in a well informed way. Yes. Yeah. Um, what could the arts do? I think we just need to use it as number one as a place to give people. A, a space to see themselves either on stage mm-hmm. for someone to say, this is what I see and this is what I feel. And I feel you people, my people, mm-hmm. you know, some people need that. Some people need to see themselves on stage. Yes. Some people need a place, a space to express themselves on stage. Yes. Sometimes that's all it takes. Yes. Allow me that space to express myself. Yes. Some people need the truth to be revealed on stage and, if we're not allowing these things art to do these things for people, then what are we, then then we're shutting down our connection to the community. We're shutting them down yeah. and they're going to explode, which is what's happening right now. in Panama. Right now, And artists over there are speaking up. They are speaking up. They're I saw an artist up. today. He, he was, he was like, and I, I, I don't want to say his name wrong, but he's pretty famous over there. Bill Wally, I think his name. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was saying, he's like, we need to stop focusing on the people blocking the streets. We need to focus on the people in power and what's been going on. Mm-hmm. And it's a repeat of what happened back in Noriega in the days of the dic- dic- of the dictadura mm-hmm. uh, of the dictatorship. Di- dictatorship. Gosh, couldn't think of the word mm-hmm. of the dictatorship. Yes. Right. Yes. And I was like, wow. I have. He's heard, comparing this to a dictatorship. <laughs> I have heard songs on social media created by artists in Panama talking about this mm-hmm. exactly what you just shared yeah so again education 
and the arts, education and the arts. Yeah. They go hand in hand. Yes. They go hand in hand. Yes. And I'm thankful that you are squeezing the juices out of them. Uh, <laughs> I think I'm just trying to trying to do what I can. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I I wouldn't say I'm I'm the the trooper that ride or die jumping all over the place and you know that type of person, but I am an, ex an expressive person that mm -hmm. I like to show my thoughts in, in a way that people can see and understand it. Yes. And I hope that Negra uh, was one of those things, Absolutely. you know, that people were able to see yes. that it's about love. It's about love and it's about um, respect. That's what my musical is about. It's about love and respect. And respect. Yeah. yeah. Respect each other and love each other. Yes. You don't respect somebody and you don't love somebody, then it's like, okay. <laughs> you know, those are the ingredients of healing. Right. Didn't I say this was going to be about deliciousness? Oh, yeah. Here it is. Here it is. Deliciousness. I mean, yes. <laughs> Love and respect. Those are delicious yeah, ingredients. Yes. To sustain us. That is so true. All right, Julio. We could keep going. Uh, <laughs> I, I would like to invite you to share with our audience where they can learn more about you, the things that you're doing. Um, and... Uh, Maybe that's one way of keeping it going. Well, uh, right now you can find me online all over the place, uh, mostly on my website, jawchild, J-A-H-C-H-I-L-D.com. Or you can find me at jawchild on Instagram. You can find me Julio Hanson, son of Han, um, on Facebook. Uh, I don't add everybody unless they send me a message and say, hey, I saw you on or I know you from. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of people out there, I just, you know. Exactly. Don't, don't add, but you have to be careful. Yeah. And then I get double ads or whatever. But mm -hmm. um, but yeah, send me a message. Let me know. I hope people let me know what they think or thought about what we talked about today. Yes. Or I love dialogue. I, I would love to get together with people and have some type of dialogue, uh, a respectful dialogue mm -hmm. um, about what's going on in our world. So you can find me in any of those platforms right now. Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Thank you so much, Julio. Thank you. Uh, this was such a rich conversation. I'm thankful it happened. I look forward to more of it. Yes. And I hope our audience had an opportunity to, to grab on to certain things and run with them for reflection. Well, if I can you just know? give a quick shout out. Yes. My family, just my family, my mom, Yolanda, my brothers, mm. Johnny uh, Jacinto. Johnny is a longshoreman. Jacinto is a creative in his own way. Javier uh, uh, is, works for the government as well in security uh, for the government. And um, also Joselio, who was a football, NFL football player. Beautiful. So I have a wide variety of brothers that do amazing things. And my two daughters, of course, and their mom, Maribel, and the whole family that's out there in New York and D.C. and Maryland and Inglewood. Inglewood. Yes. You know, that's what we rep right here. <laughs> So I just want to tell everybody that I love them all. And thank you all for, thank you for inviting me to this. Oh, this you're was so welcome. Amazing. You're thank so you. welcome. Here's the connection. Yeah. You know? Mm -hmm. All right. Well, may we all continue to transform the world through reflections. <laughs>